Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Brian Peacock here with the scout Matt Williamson. We have a lot to get into today. It is a Twitter Thursday, so happy Thursday to everybody and thanks for everybody who got involved with Twitter Thursday. We have a ton of questions to get to. We will get to those. Some pressing issues first. Uh, one, there's some news. We are also going to find out Matt Williamson's top six of his preseason power rankings. But I want to start with the latest news, and it is official. It was rumored that this was going to happen, uh, and now it is now official, according to multiple reports. The NFL preseason schedule, Matt, is down to two games. They're lopping off week one and week four of the preseason. So whatever games your team was scheduled for, weeks two and three of the preseason, those are the only ones that are still on. Right, and I guess this isn't a good sign, obviously. Because the owners want the revenue, the coaches want the playing time and the film to evaluate. The players at the bottom of the roster want a chance to prove themselves. But we've talked about going for two games for a while. I mean, the way I look at it is, COVID aside, nobody would really bat an eye if we said we're only having two preseason games this year. So I I guess that's a very glass half full way of looking at it. But um, cases are seemingly spiking all over the country. I know they are in the county I live in, in Florida and the beach areas. So I'm a little more worried than I was. Absolutely. Um, the beach yeah. seems to be one of the, the big ones. My wife and I were planning, ah, maybe let's go to San Francisco, go to the beach. Uh, and you know, cause you'll, you, you can get away from people and the beach seems to be one of the big ones where people think they're away, but they're, they're kind of not. So yeah, everybody wear your masks. We want some football here. Nobody's gonna going to miss next week. Yeah. Nobody's it's, <laughs> yeah, I know it's tough. It's like, it's hard to stay. Um, it's hard to stay distanced. I think you can be outdoors and be more distanced. Um, I, I wonder if it's everyone goes to the beach and then goes to the one spot as well, you know, in town. And, and then that's where things start to spread. So, yeah, um, if you are going out to wherever you're doing for the 4th of July, which, you know, this is, this is a big weekend. So wear your masks, do everything you can while you're doing what you're doing to make sure we have football. Nobody's going to miss two preseason games, but we will start to no. miss regular season games if that happens. So we have a we have a month two like six weeks max to get this thing right and, and get the COVID virus in order so we can have some football this fall. If you want football, take all the precautions, even if you think they're unnecessary, take as much precaution as you can. Yeah, there you go. If you want football, wear a mask, stay inside, you know, don't go to bars, right? Do what, do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so there was a, there was a little bit of a tear, Matt, I think before the, before there was the top I, six, I right? Kind of explain it. Yeah, I, I mean, I I admit that I put New England at seven as opposed to ten, maybe to ruffle a little feathers and make their jump a hmm. little bigger than before. But I really thought the Patriots, Titans, Tampa, Pittsburgh, and I have them in that order, really were a tough tier for me. And I thought they were all you know noticeably better than Seattle, Buffalo, Indy the, behind them. But they were also a step behind these two teams we're about to talk about next, which I'm really torn on. I'd like your opinion on, too. The two NFC East teams. I mean, I really look at the NFC East and think the Eagles and and Cowboys are really strong. And then there's a monstrous gap. I mean, it's really two and two. Right. Hey, You know what? Actually, before you reveal... Which order those two NFC East teams are? Let me run through the first thirty-two through seven really quick, just so everyone knows where we are. Which teams are off of the list? So counting them up from thirty-two, Matt Williamson's preseason power rankings, and you can go back and hear all of the explanations for those on the previous episodes. Jacksonville thirty-two, Carolina 
31, Miami Dolphins 30, Washington 29, New York Giants 28, Cincinnati Bengals 27, New York Jets 26, Las Vegas Raiders, still listed as Oakland here, which is tough to get over, 25, Chicago Bears 24, Um, Detroit Lions 23, Arizona Cardinals 22, Atlanta Falcons 21, Houston Texans 20, Denver Broncos 19, Cleveland Browns 18, Green Bay Packers 17, Minnesota Vikings 16, Los Angeles Rams 15, Los Angeles Chargers 14, Indianapolis Colts 13, Buffalo Bills 12, Seattle Seahawks 11, top 10, Pittsburgh Steelers, Tampa Bay Bucks 9, Tennessee Titans 8, New England Patriots 7. That brings us to a little two-team tier. Who's 6, who's 5 between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys? I have Dallas slightly over Philly, and I love Dak Prescott. I prefer Wentz, but I don't trust him as much as I do Dak in terms of playing time. I think the Eagles' offense will be dramatically better this year. They'll actually have wide receivers. That's important, and maybe they won't be elite receivers, but I think that Wentz is in for a huge year. Miles Sanders is one of my favorite breakout guys. I think guys like Dallas Goddard are only getting better. I know they lost Brooks, their guard, but I still think this is going to be an upper-tier offense, but I think Dallas's will be better. I mean, their offense may have been number one in the league last year. It was right there with Kansas City. It was the best offense in yards per play, and I know they lost Frederick, a really good center, but you add C.D. Lamb, I mean, I think there's going to be at least as many points scored, at least as good. And I actually think the head coaching change in Dallas is a little bit of addition by subtraction, not to be too rough on Jason Garrett, but I think you're getting an upgrade at the head coach position without altering the offense too much. I prefer the Eagles defense of the two in terms of their front in particular, especially after Adam Hargrave. Both the Eagles are very weak at linebacker, which scares me a little, but I think their secondary is noticeably improved with Slay. And Dallas is a little firmer on all level and clearly much better at linebacker. But I think their defense will be middle of the road. And there are going to be a lot of points scored in Dallas games. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's going to look like with Dallas's offense, but I, I just think a change with how much talent there is there, it could be one of the best offenses in the league. And if it's not, then maybe they have some issues there with their with their new coaching staff. But you love Dallas's offense and the talent there, I really feel like everything went wrong for the Eagles, and they addressed a lot of their needs, yeah. and that's a that's just an obvious bounce-back team in 2020. And that's sort of a mini-tier, right? Five and six, would you say there's another tier before the top four? Yeah, I would say that's its own tier. I, I do feel, I mean, I could make the argument that the Patriots, Titans, Tampa, Pittsburgh are closer to Dallas than Philly than Dallas and Philly are to the top four, which I really do think is an elite tier that stands alone. And obviously everybody's figured out who they are. And I'd be shocked if there was anybody that does power ranks around the internet that didn't have these four teams in whatever order they want as their top four teams. And that team at number four is? The Saints. Strangely, I think Drew Brees is still really good. But I think he needs more around him than ever. And I think the Saints are telling us that. You know, they draft the young tight end. They sign Emmanuel Sanders. I expect Kamara. Well, I, I don't think Kamara was, was very healthy last year. I think the Saints might have the best offensive line in the league. Oh, by the way, Michael Thomas is in the equation. 
they might be the team on both sides of the ball with the fewest holes. And again, they told us that they only used three draft picks on three guys. They really liked. And I know they took a quarterback late in the seventh round, but I'm not counting him. Um, but I don't know that breeze is an elite asset anymore. So I like the saints an awful lot. They certainly could win the super bowl. Um, again, very well-rounded, excellent defense that people don't quite understand how good, Demario Davis and Sheldon Rankins and Marcus Williams and guys like that are, let alone Cameron Jordan and Lattimore and the stars. So this is a great team, but I was pretty comfortable putting them forth. I love this roster so much in New Orleans. Yeah. I would have no problem if someone put them even, you know, first or second, just because I think the roster is that good. And I think they could even be better than they were last year for some of the reasons you laid out there. One last run for Drew Brees. The 49ers are third here. They we're the one seed in the NFC last year, rolled into the Super Bowl, and everybody knows how that ended. San Francisco 49ers 3, what puts the two teams ahead of the 49ers, ahead of them? Do you think the 49ers are better or worse than last year? Yeah, I, I had the Niners 2, and when I th thought about it more, I bumped them to 3. And a little bit, it was something you said a few weeks ago, just kind of in passing that I agreed with, was we all agree the Niners have a great defense. But I think you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said, I bet the defense takes a little step backwards. You know, I mean, yes. that's only normal. I mean, that's not, I think New England's will too. Right. But then I was also thinking, I bet their offensive line takes a step forward and the quarterback play. Here's the thing. So a rising tide raises all ships. How much better is Garoppolo in his second full season as a starter? Another year with Kyle Shanahan. Now he's got more and more of those reps. Does he take a big bump? Because that could erase anything that gets uh, that regresses anywhere else on the roster. So they could definitely be better as a team just because Garoppolo and the offense gets uh, even better, even though they were really good and efficient last year. And everyone remembers, you know, one missed throw in the Super Bowl and that they ran a whole bunch in the playoffs because they could. But uh, I think there's still a ceiling there for Garoppolo that is higher than what we've seen yet since he's only started, you know, his first 16 full game season just last year. Yeah, and the defense could take a little bit of a step back just because they're replacing some of their best players with rookies. And they missed yeah. an underrated defensive backs coach, Joe Woods, last year. Now the defensive coordinator in Cleveland. The secondary played so much better than the year before. And, and I think he was a sneaky reason why a really good coach there. I think the 49ers would have loved to roll him into defensive coordinator if Sala got a job last year. Real and, quick, I was, sure. I was fiddling with my quarterback ranks and... The bottom of the top 10 are guys like Breeze, Brady, Rogers, Ryan, Ben. Jimmy could be that guy that's in the top 10 next year if the things you kind of mentioned come to fruition, which I don't think a lot of people are recognizing. And I think you keep bringing it up, and I'm glad you do, because I really liked him on his way to San Francisco, and he hasn't really done anything for me to sour on Jimmy either. Um, number two, though, I have the Ravens. I... I tend to talk about Raven weaknesses because I do a Steeler show every two or two hours a day and they're not, they're the hated rival here, but boy, do I have respect for this organization. I mean, ownership to GM to coach to quarterback is as strong as any we've seen, you know, really in my lifetime. Um, I do worry a little bit about a go-to wide receiver I worry about the Yonda retirement and the interior offensive line. And I think the linebackers are really young and talented, guys like Queen, but are going to probably have some growing pains. But everywhere else, they're loaded. They're so hard to play against, and they're always great on special teams. 
pretty easy schedule too, although I didn't take that into account. I think the Ravens are a force. They're a really good team. They play a different brand of ball. The thing I'm interested to watch with Baltimore this year is the adjustments to the adjustments. Teams are going to get better. Defensive coordinators, too many athletes, too many good, smart people in the NFL. They're going to start to play Baltimore differently. Can they adjust to that? And obviously, Lamar Jackson's he doesn't get enough credit as a thrower. His progression as a passer will be huge for Baltimore going forward to thwart how they play the run game in Baltimore. So that's an interesting one. And then that leads to the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions stay at the top spot to begin 2020. Yeah, and frankly, I don't have much to say about the Chiefs. I mean, they've, they're basically rolling it right back. Throw Edwards Hilaire into an un- unbelievable offense already. Mahomes and Reed could certainly be Brady and Belichick for a long term. Um, to, would I take Kansas City against the field to win the Super Bowl or anything like that? Certainly not. I don't think there's a lot of difference between them and the Saints, but boy, they're a powerhouse and they're going to put up so many points. That is Matt Williamson's preseason power rankings. Periodically, we'll check in this season with Matt and update those power rankings as the season goes on. And Matt, I'm already seeing here on Twitter, some people have some issues with those rankings. So we'll get into some of that (laughs) on Twitter Thursday next. One of the best things since we've been talking about rockauto.com here on the podcast is my old car. I used to drive in high school, the Ford Ranchero. It was a hot rod in the front, a pickup truck in the back. Some great memories there. And yes, rockauto.com has a ton of parts for a 1972 Ford Ranchero. I was shocked how many parts they had for that vehicle. So you know they have your car covered. But the best story so far, our colleague, friend of the program, the host of Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson, he went to rockauto.com and bought a tailgate for his truck. His tailgate was stolen. Who steals a tailgate, first of all? His tailgate was stolen off of his vehicle. He went to rockauto.com, found the part, bought himself a tailgate. You can find anything at rockauto.com. An amazing selection, reliably low prices. Prices are no different if you are a mechanic or if you are a do-it-yourselfer. Engine parts, brake parts, Jumper cables, whatever you need, go to rockauto.com. Let them know we sent you all the parts your car or truck could ever need. Some fans don't like where their team is ranked. I want to get to some of those questions. My first question, though, Matt, is from me at BD Peacock to you at Williamson NFL. I've got a keeper league. This is a fantasy football question, and I know you love Miles Sanders. And he's a guy I liked last year as a rookie. I have the opportunity to keep Alvin Kamara for my second round pick or to keep Miles Sanders with my fourth round pick? Which of those would you choose? Mm -hmm. Tough one, because I think when it's all said and done, and I've started the very preliminary talk about, you know, fantasy rankings, I think Kamara is going to be my fourth running back and fourth player off the board. Sanders will probably be my eight or ninth. Something like that. Both first rounders. But there's a tier break, I think, either outside the first four or if you want to include Dalvin Cook, the first five. The others are McCaffrey, um, Elliott, and Saquon, I mean, which are pretty obvious. Sanders is eight so, or nine for you overall or just running backs? Both because I'll never take a receiver in the first round. Gotcha. So okay, I'm a little so biased against it's straight running backs like, through for yeah. most of your first round rank. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there's not many backs that take ahead of him, but boy, having Kamara for a second round pick, 
you know, it, it seems like an obvious obvious choice. Would you want the eighth player in the draft for a fourth or the fifth player in the draft for a second? You would think I want the eighth because there's a bigger gap there. But Kamara for a second just is a gift, you know, like right. you still have your first. And I think I'd go that direction. It's the gift that keeps on giving too, because I drafted Kamara a few years ago and every year you get a player that you drafted the year before three rounds sooner. If you you get oh. one keeper, right? So I, I drafted him late as a rookie. And so I, I've had him this whole time and I, I just, I kind of want to just keep, Using that, and this is the last chance I'll have to to keep Kamara at that non-first round price. So I am leaning toward Kamara for my second. And then you still have your first, of course. Right. And, you know, and you wait a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, both are great options, but I think I'd go with Kamara. So kind of the bird in the hand situation. Yeah. I wanted to ask Plus you, because I know you don't want to put him back in the mix either. Somebody <laughs> will take true. first or second overall. I'm going to push one more player back to my first round pick. Um, but yeah, no, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping Kamara. That's the way I was leaning, but I know you were a big Sanders guy. So I wanted to throw that one past you first. I am. I am. And I think Sanders could have a Kamara like effect. I don't think that either is going to be a 25 touch type of player. And I'm not implying Sanders is good a receiver as Kamara, but I expect both to be highly efficient producers with their touches. Dave on Twitter says, why are you so low on the dolphins in your power rankings? Is it just the unknown of all the new players, or do you not actually like what we've done this offseason? Okay, there was a we there. I thought that was uh, <laughs> maybe maybe somebody that, that was a Dolphins fan calling you out, uh, and it was. Uh, he says, in parentheses here, I'm not saying we should be top 10 or anything, but low to mid-20s maybe, and definitely above the Jets. And then uh, A. Hendricks on Twitter says, you keep saying the Bengals are better than the Dolphins. Compare their rosters. I feel like the Dolphins have more talent. So a couple of Dolphins fans piping up here, not happy with where you have them ranked, I believe, at 30 overall. Yeah, they were 30. Uh, the Bengals were 27. Whew, I just think it was a good offseason, but three first-round picks, a left tackle that is a work in progress, you know, a, a third corner, a great quarterback prospect, but is he going to help you much this year, win a lot of games? I don't think so. You know, I mean – their running game, I think, will be very pedestrian. I think their weapons are average on a good day. Their line is begging to be average and overpaying to get there. And the defense is built around the secondary, which looks really strong with their cover men, their corners, but is, again, a work in progress. And the van noise of the world will certainly help. I get that. But, I mean, one year ago, we didn't weren't sure they were going to win a game. You know, I mean, like Rome wasn't built in a day, folks. And I just think that it's a long climb. But I think the vibes are more positive than I can remember in Miami for quite a while because I think, you know, the coach-young quarterback combination has a chance to be great for 10 years. I just think that this year is going to be a steep climb. So much change in the world we live in today probably isn't a good thing either. And I, I mean, I can see the case that are they a better team than the Bengals? Maybe, but the Bengals skill guys are way better. I kind of think Burrow's going to have a better year than even Fitzpatrick. I know people are going to, you know, at me at that, but I think Fitzpatrick turns into a pumpkin this year. And I think the Bengals defense got dramatically better. So I'm not saying the Bengals are great, but I think they're going the right direction and their offensive line isn't horrendous anymore with Jonah Williams and whatnot. I'm still worried about. The Dolphins pass rush, um, and, and yeah. I agree with you about the skill players. 
that's a, that's a big advantage for the the Bengals over all three teams that were mentioned here with the Jets, Bengals, and Dolphins. And those teams very close, I'm sure, for you when you ranked them out. But you have to decide at some point. Uh, I'm not against the idea, though, that the Dolphins are ahead of both of those teams because I think they played better last year than, than both of those teams sometimes. But the Darnold Jets were much better than the non-Darnold Jets. Yeah. I like the coaching staff in Miami. I think they got a lot better. And if they won a few games last year and got a lot better from that, then I could absolutely see the argument there. And I just think rookie quarterback, you have to wait and see because he might not be good, period, talking about Joe Burrow. And he might be great, but usually even greatness, Peyton Manning, for example, you know, week one, year one, that's not the time usually that that shows up for almost any quarterback ever. So uh, I would wait a year on the Bengals and we saw how bad the Bengals were last year. I think even if Joe Burrow, which would be awesome to have league average quarterbacking, I still don't know if that makes that team overall when you consider their offense and defense that much better than the Dolphins, who the Dolphins were already better last year and improved. So I'm kind of with Dave and A. Hendricks here that that I would probably put the Dolphins one spot ahead of the Bengals at least, and, and I might put the Dolphins ahead of the Jets too. Uh, the Jets are a team that, that's hard for me to figure out, but uh, those teams are all very close, and it's it, it it can come quick when a team starts winning, and that's the thing. Are are the Dolphins ready? Good coaching staff. They got their young quarterback in there. Um, is the fist magic fizzle out? You know, because at some point he played really well and helped them win some games last year. Do you count on that again? Is Tua ready? So there's a lot of questions with Miami too. So it's just really hard to look at any of those three teams and say, okay, that this is the team. I'm, I'm back in. Those guys this year, right? No, it's a, that's definitely true. I mean, they're all massive works in progress. Two of them with likely rookie quarterbacks or top five pick quarterbacks. Um, and to your point though about the winning thing, that's a challenge for all three of these organizations. But at least Miami strung some victories together late in the year last year, and that could pay off. Yeah, we we did see the Jets and the Dolphins pile up a couple of wins they had some w's mm-hmm. in the win column and the Bengals did not so that that's one they're they're one step ahead already i would say in that regard although i think if we have a conversation a year from now we are going to talk about joe burrow as glowingly as we talk about kyler murray today i could see that and the dolphins too yeah. i mean if they're if they've got this boat headed in the right direction like i think they do they add a big time weapon on offense wide receiver for tua and maybe add a pass rusher. Uh, the Dolphins, that's a legitimate team right there, looking at 2021. So uh, I, I like where the Dolphins are going. It's hard to put them up there uh, anything higher than, you know, late 20s for me right now, though, still. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like the direction of the team. I just think, let's not forget how devoid of talent this rebuild project started, and it wasn't that long ago. Another topic that we talked about, Tom has an issue with, uh, he says he's late to the party on the rankings of all-time quarterback teams. He says, Broncos, anyone? Elway and Manning, probably third best combo after Montana Young and Favre Rogers star. What do you think Broncos top three for franchise quarterbacks? Hmm. It's funny. I, I, I don't mean to throw a colleague or somebody under the bus, but the more I looked at that article from ESPN, the less I liked their rankings. And the two that I really had a problem with were Miami and Buffalo were like 20-ish in that neighborhood. I mean, and you got a lot of good years out of Kelly and Marino, like elite years where other teams above them didn't have that. And I think some of that's true with Denver. Elway's obviously a Kelly-Marino 
contemporary, you know, same age, similar production. You'd probably rank him first of those three in terms of who had the best career. And then you mix in Manning for a handful of years. Yeah, but I'm not putting them over the, what were there, five or six that we thought that were the top tier? You know, Dallas was yeah, really was, strong. Yeah, Green Bay, six. San Fran. I can't put them in the top tier, though. There's a lot of years of not so great quarterback. Do too. the Broncos get to claim Manning, though? I mean, he won a Super Bowl there, but Manning was, and Manning had that one fantastic year. Does that, can you hang with that one Manning year or even a couple of Manning years with Elway? Is that enough to compare with Montana Young? Favre, Rodgers, no, Star, Cowboys, right. like, you know, Steelers. There's a lot of teams that had just a lot longer runs with their quarterback. Manning gives an extra bump there, but, you know, you don't get to count all of those Colts years for Manning either uh, if you're the Broncos. So, you know, Elway right. plus a couple years of Manning still is not quite enough to to rank with some of those top teams for me. Right. To your point, if you just read the tweet and go, oh, Elway and Peyton Manning, yeah, that's as good a two-some as right. anyone's ever had in history. But the, the crux of it is I think it was a 50-year stretch and only what three or four of them were Manning, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's great, but it's still a small percentage of those years. Greatest Falcons player ever. This is from JDS like on Twitter. One. Julio Jones or Deion Sanders? And this is how you know they're great players. He didn't have to put the last name Julio or Deion. We know exactly who he's talking about there. What do you think, Matt? Julio Jones or Deion Sanders? Greatest Falcon of all time. Is there anyone else? Was my initial thought. You know, like, are we missing someone? And I hate to say this, and it's funny, we kind of make fun of the Bengals on the my Steelers show for this. Like, their all-time greatest player list is pretty darn bad, <laughs> you know, for being in existence as long as they have. Not that Julio or Dion is, you know, would not be a great player for any team, but their top 20, I mean, there'd be guys on there, you'd be like, hmm, I don't know about that. Like, is Matt Ryan number three? Um, who am I missing? I mean, the, the dirty birds were good. Matt Ryan um, would definitely be three for me. I think um, so. Yeah. I mean, Michael Vick, but he was only there for, was it four years? Right. That's I mean, a tough one. Cause Michael Vick dynamic. Well, actually that's okay. How about this Vick or Ryan? And, and I think the same argument why Ryan. I would put Julio Jones over Dion is because length of time. And so yes. both Dion Sanders and Michael Vick, I think Vick was there for what? Four years. And Julio Jones, or I mean, uh, Deion Sanders was in Atlanta for five years. So you got to go with players that, that were there for a decade plus. You know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones maybe would rank ahead of both Vic and Dion, even though their primes, I think, were higher for, I mean, Vic was just a lot of fun, but, you know, he, he would probably rank below those guys just because of, um, you know, everything together. But Dion was the best corner in the league flat out. Like people still and probably forever will be compared to Dion as far as shut down cover corners go. Agreed. I mean, Dion's awesome, but you can't give him Julio Jones credibility just because of how much time he had, you know, as a Falcon. So I can't, I can't go there. It's funny because I just pulled up an all time greatest Falcons list. And this was, well, this one's in 2008, so maybe that's not fair. But these are the guys that they have at the top of the list in 2008. This is from Bleacher Report. Jeff George. Tommy Nobis. <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> Tommy Nobis was a really good linebacker in the 60s and 70s. I was going to bring him up without checking it out. But then it's Jeff Van Note, Steve Barkowski, William Andrews. Barkowski. Deion Sanders five, is five on this list. Alfred Jenkins, Vic, Jesse Tuggle. I mean, Mike Ken, Gerald Riggs. I mean, 
that's an awful top 10. I'm sorry. That's bad. And yeah, versus other really franchises bad. in the NFL. And this is a franchise that's been around a little while. They've had enough time. Yeah, that's rough. That is a rough top 10. It's really bad. Yeah. I mean, look at the Bengals, by the way. Munoz is their only Hall of Famer. And then it's like Boomer Esiason. Jim Breach was in their top 20. You know, like, you know, wow. But to your point, I think Julio stands alone. Yep. I mean, even like Tony Gonzalez had a nice stretch with them. And Roddy White was a good player. But all their guys, besides Tommy Nobis, is are recent. And I get the Dion conversation, but it has to be Julio by light years, don't you think? One of my favorite stats, Deion Sanders. This was the year he, after he left Atlanta for the 49ers. He had 300 yards of interception return yardage that year. Six, wow. six interceptions, 300 yards, three of them taken back to the house. It was just one of the amazing. most amazing seasons I've seen from a cornerback. Probably the best cornerback season, I, I would argue, ever was that one year with the 49ers before he went to Dallas. But that's the problem with Deion because he is an all-time great. I would list him over Julio probably if he played his entire career in Atlanta, but he didn't. Right. I mean, who had the better career? Probably primetime. Although Julio, I think, has better stats than any receiver in history, basically. But yeah, I still think I'd go with Dion. I think Dion is firmly in the conversation of the best corner who's ever lived. I am torn between him and Mel Blunt, to be honest, but they're different eras. Um, But Julio, I think Julio isn't far off the number two wide receiver conversation when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think but Julio has to be the best Falcon. I don't know how long Julio's going to go, but Julio should end up in that conversation behind Jerry Rice with you know the TOs of the world and Larry Fitzgerald, and, and those will be the arguments for how Moss, people f- yeah. file in after Rice one, Moss two, because I think those are the clear one two and Calvin Johnson, and you know there's a lot of arguments after that, but I, I think it's clear Rice one, Moss two for me at wide receiver all time, and Julio is going to be in that conversation for. Three, I think when he's done and I, he would be my number one Falcon. I think the better argument is Matt Ryan or Deion Sanders for two. Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I guess my criteria, the more I think about it is what did you accomplish in a Falcons uniform? Ryan accomplished more. He did. He took a team to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played the quarterback position. He's easily the best quarterback in franchise history. Yeah. I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah, Matt Ryan is, I mean, Matt Ryan, that's an interesting one. That That's going to be a conversation for, I think, uh, another podcast. We could probably go a long time on the Matt Ryans of the world, Philip Rivers, Stafford. Off that. Exactly, right. yeah. Uh, the legacy so for those quarterbacks. Because they were overshadowed but, by some all-time great quarterbacks, no doubt Hall of Famers. Whereas if you put Matt Ryan's career and didn't have him behind, you know, Brady and Breeze his whole career, I mean, he'd be a no-doubt Hall of Famer, right? If he played in the 90s, yeah. if he played in the 80s. So, interesting. I mean, I kind of feel like Ryan, again, this is a bigger conversation, but I'm going to kind of side against the Stafford-Ryan argument that there, there's so many passing yards because they started early in their life and they played a lot of years and played a lot of games in a passing era. But, I mean, if you look at the best quarterbacks of this generation, Ryan's sixth. Something like that. I mean, obviously behind Brady, Manning, Ben, Rogers, Breeze, then maybe him. You know, like it's not too far off. Rivers. Looking at the stats here, Matt Ryan has more than double the passing yards than the next closest quarterback in franchise history, Bartkowski. And he's way ahead already. More than double. He'll triple Bartkowski, who's number two on the list of Falcons all-times passers when uh, when Ryan's done there in Atlanta. So, 
I think he's the second best Falcon. The more we yep. think about it, yep. I'm with you. I'm with you on they that. They start to produce some more stars, though. <laughs> they do. That's right. <laughs> wow. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. You remember Jamal Anderson, the running back. I had almost completely forgotten about him until I saw our colleague Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, who we need to have on this show actually very soon. He had a conversation on his podcast. You should go check it out. It's a two-part series with Jamal Anderson. And, uh, you know, growing up, I was oh, a 49ers fan, and I hated the Dirty Bird dance. Jamal Anderson, though, I had almost forgotten about him. He's been keeping a low profile, one of the hardest guys to tackle in his day in the NFL. Yeah, and he had didn't last super long, as a lot of those type of backs, you know, happens to them. But he was a top five back for four or five years. I mean, he was a top three pick in every fantasy draft. You know, I mean, he was a productive, really good player. You know, one one idea for the dog days of you know content, maybe we should figure out which teams have the worst top twenty list in terms of best players. Since he's, I mean, obviously teams like Houston and Carolina have a you know less less chance to uh, succeed in that because they haven't been around as long. But you look at like the Bengals and Atlanta, Cardinals. You know, like they don't have much. There are some lean franchises out there as far as all time greats. And, uh, Jets get to work. Get to work franchises. Yeah. Get to work <laughs> right. GMs. Let's create that next group of all timers to to knock some of those guys off your team's top ten list. Okay, we're out of time here, Matt. Good stuff. Thanks everybody for getting involved in another Twitter Thursday. We'll be back with Michael Debate. He is the host of Locked On Patriots. A lot going on in New England. We'll have it all broken down for you tomorrow, right here, Locked On NFL.